Hi, and thank you for listening to Dream 10X Radio, where we interview people attempting to live extraordinary lives. Our twofold purpose is to both direct and inspire people bold enough to do the same. Dream 10X. Face your fears. Hi, welcome to the Dream 10X podcast. I'm your boy, JC, James Capel, and I'm here with my guest, Jeff Hoffman, serial entrepreneur who's been extremely successful. And as you know, part of Dream 10X's um, modus operandi is to talk to people who have been wildly successful in their lives to learn more about how they achieve that success. I, I myself have been a, an employee for over 20 years, and I've been looking at the possibility of becoming an entrepreneur myself, and I'm looking out into the world to see people who have done similar things and try to talk to them so I can try to learn more about what it's like to be an entrepreneur, and that's why I'm sitting here with Jeff today. Thank you very much for sharing your knowledge with me, Jeff. So Jeff, if you wouldn't mind telling me in a little bit um, what it was like to make that transition from being an employee when you first got out of college, you're trying to figure out what to do with your life. And uh, what did you go, how did you go through that process mentally of, sure. of starting your own company? So JC, there's sort of two different drivers for becoming an entrepreneur. And I had been through both of them. Um, one of them is freedom. It's the ability, and I'll talk about that in a second, to design and live your life the way you want, which didn't happen to me when I had a big corporate job. But the other one is n not ever intending to be an entrepreneur, never even used the word, never heard the word. It's just that you want to fix things and make them better. So my first experience, well, actually, I'll do it in the other order. Um, how I got, I, I, because it was the desire to have freedom that drove me out of my corporate job. And there's no right or wrong here. Right? We're not telling people to be an entrepreneur or to not, to have a corporate job or not. It's a DNA thing. But here's what happened. I work for I have an engineering degree. You and I both uh, studied computer science and software. Well, no, I studied political science. Oh, I, I, oh, you <laughs> I, was, got, I was a political science major. Oh, that's major. right. That's right. So even longer road, but go ahead. Sorry. Yes. Um, so uh, I studied computer science, and I got a degree, because this is what everybody tells you to do, to go get a job at a good company and get a good paycheck. Right. So writing code was a good job. Uh, so I went to work for a big engineering firm uh, writing code. But one day, I'm going to just share the story with you. One day, the big boss comes walking into the building. He's so many levels above us, he's never been in our building. And our building is just a sea of engineering cubicles. And the boss walks up, and all of a sudden, he says, Hoffman. And from all the sea of engineers, everyone's like, dude, he's calling you. So I walk over there. I said, yes, sir. And he puts his arm around me and walks away. And everybody's like, I don't know if you know, in corporate America, um, they call it uh, prairie dogging. Because you know what prairie dogs do? They pop up out of their hole. They look around. <laughs> they go back. Everybody's doing that in their cubicles. Well, the boss is talking to Jeff. And then they, he would turn and they'd all go right. back down. So he walks me over to the window. And he's like, uh, you know who I am. I was like, everybody knows who you are, right? You're the senior vice president of the whole company. We've never seen him in the flesh before. Um, and he said... Uh, you know, there's a management position open in this division now. I said, yes, sir, everybody knows that. And he said, do you want to be promoted to management? I said, I'm sure everybody here wants that job. And he said, Jeff, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to decide who gets promoted to management. And he points out the window and he goes, what do you see out there? And I was like, it's the parking lot. This is like a trick question. Is there a sign out there? And I'm hearing like game show music ticking down in my head. I finally said, cars. And he goes, that's right, cars. And I'm looking at my friends like, I'm passing the management exam, right? I have no idea what the hell's going on. Um, but he's like, you're right. And so he said, at the end of every day, he said, I'm going to tell you how I decide who gets promoted here. 
the end of every day, I come to this window and I look outside and guess what I'm looking at? And I was like, oh my God, question two on the quiz. And I had no time, so I said, the cars. And he goes, that's right. And I still have no idea what we're talking about here. And he said, here's how gets, who's gonna get promoted in this company. He said, every day I come out here late at night, I look out the windows and I see whose car is here last. Mm. The person whose car is here last is gonna get the management job because they're most dedicated to this company. Right. I said, actually, no, that's Brian. He's a complete moron and his car's here because he can't do his job. And the boss says nothing. And I'm just standing there. And he's like, that's the person that's gonna get the job, the most dedicated. I said, he's the most incompetent. That's why his car's still here. And he just paused. And he said, did you learn something today? And I said, yes, sir. He said, what did you learn? And I said, I'm just gonna buy two cars and leave one here. Okay, <laughs> that was the end of my career. Um, literally, that was the end of my career. He got furious. He marched away. All the little prairie dogs were doing this signal to me. You're dead, bro. And he said, and he walked away. He said, you think that's funny? I said, dude, that actually was funny. He didn't think that was funny either. That was it. I quit that day. I couldn't deal with living my life to make management happy. What I want to do is live my life to make customers happy. I want the freedom to focus on what matters. So my entrepreneurial journey didn't start because I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It started because I wanted to live in a rational world where I took care of people mm. and I focused on what mattered. I wanted the freedom to not have to have my career depend on people like that. Right, you, and actually that's on page 16 of this book. It is. <laughs> it's not the number of hours that you put in that creates, or creates you know, value. You know, it's not what you want to do. It's, it's the amount of value that you, that you put create. The right. If that, one person that. can create the same value in two hours as it takes another employee three days, you don't penalize them. Right? right, for not spending that, and that's what he was doing. You don't penalize him for not spending three days. You should be glad that he got it done that much faster. Love that. But one of the things that bugged me about what you just said is that entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship is in your DNA. Is it? Is, are you really born with that? So that, uh, can you change it? JC, that? that is a really, really good question because I get asked that all the time, and I think it's 50-50. And I'll tell you why. You are right. Your instinct that there's something wrong with that there is because you can learn a lot. We wouldn't have written a book. Right. right? I, I wouldn't do as chairman of the Global Entrepreneurship Network. We teach entrepreneurship. That's what we do. That's what you and I are doing in a mentoring relationship and the masterminds we do. There is a big chunk of entrepreneurship that can be taught and can be learned. And it's like anything else. It's the people that have gone there before you. Right. You want to learn from the people who have right. succeeded at what you're trying to do. Right. There's a big part of it that is absolutely teachable and learnable. But there's a part of it that I fundamentally believe is not. And that DNA is the DNA of risk. If you are, there's a saying that says being an entrepreneur is like jumping off a cliff and then trying to build an airplane on the way down, okay? If that scares you to death, you'll never be an entrepreneur because you'll never jump until you have all the answers. The people that were most successful in entrepreneurship, I actually remember a conversation I had about, uh, I was visiting, uh, talking to Elon Musk about SpaceX, but he told me something that blew me away. He made a little joke. He said, if Tesla fails, I'm going to need to sleep on your couch. I said, what? He said, Jeff, people don't know this, but I took 100% of my net worth. Every dollar I have, I put in that company. Either Tesla works or I need a couch to sleep on. That is a risk profile, right? Okay. That is an entrepreneur. And you don't have to go as extreme as him. But if risk scares you, you shouldn't do this. And you can't teach people that. It's in their, it's in their blood. Mm. That's the DNA part. Okay. Um, speaking of risk and, and fear, what were some of the things that, or what, what are one or two of the biggest fears that you had when you left to start your own business? Um, and, and how did you wrangle those fears? Yeah, so the, the uh, uh, 
when I announced I was quitting, the highest ranking technical person in the company, his name was Charles, called me into his office and he said, I heard you're quitting. And I said, yes, sir. He's the guy everybody in the company aspired to be. The highest rank you could be, he'd been there 26 years. And he, by the way, was also the smartest person I knew on the planet Earth. And he said, I heard you're quitting. I said, yes, sir. And he said, because you think you're smarter than everyone here? I said, I never said that. And he said, then why would you leave? It's not good enough for you? I said, I didn't say that either. And he said, so what are you going to do? I said, probably start my own business. And he said, oh, so you think you can create a business that does things better than somebody else? Mm. And I was like, kind of. And he said, what, you think you're going to go change an industry, right? And who knew we were going to change the travel industry? But I said, maybe. And he just shook his head laughing. Uh, and, and he wound up saying to me, right, this is the smartest person I know. By the way, he said to me, JC, he said, you'll never succeed in business. And I was like, why? And, and he said three reasons. And it was really interesting because here's what he told me. He said, um, you're, not, you're, you, you're not focused enough. He said, sometimes in this business, sorry, yeah, right. He said, you're too unfocused. You're working on, sometimes you got a lot of things going at once. He said, sometimes I take one thing and I work on it for four years. And he said, you're unfocused. You're, you're trying to balance too many things. That You will fail for that. And I was like, getting up. And he said, there's another thing. And I, I, you know, I said, what? And he said, you're literally the most impatient person I've ever met. You will fail at everything in business because you're too impatient. Mm. And he said, sometimes I wait for management and it takes them six months to reply to my memo. Mm. You have to be patient in business. And I get up and he says, one more thing. And I said, what? And he said, you have no respect for the rules and for your elders and for the people that designed the industry before you. You think you can do it better than the people that came before you. You have no respect for the rules. So you asked me what the fear was. The smartest person I just I know in the whole world just right. called me basically the dumbest person he knows. Right. And I went home all night and said, maybe I'm nuts. If all the smart people right. think I don't know what on earth I'm doing, but I'll tell you what the answer is. The answer is, and I'm going to summarize it this way, don't take baseball advice from golfers. I realized that day, that's like asking a golfer how to swing a baseball bat. Why don't you go get an MVP of the National League to show you how to swing a bat? He was a corporate guy, i.e. a golfer. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. He told me why I'd never make it as an entrepreneur. I had a lot of self-doubt. But I finally got a hold of a mentor as an entrepreneur. We had a long lunch and he said, at the end, JC, he said, you're gonna do really well as an entrepreneur. And I said, why do you think that? And he said, three reasons. And I said, oh, I had to hear this. Yeah. And he said, first of all, you're a great multitasker. I said, really? Because yesterday I was out of focus. He said, you're going to have to multitask at the beginning. And he said another thing. And I said, what? And he said, you have this natural drive to get it done now, not tomorrow. I said, oh, because yesterday that was impatience. Right? <laughs> yeah. And he said, plus, you have no fear. And I said, it was disrespect two days ago. Now it's, now it's no fear. Mm. He said, well, these are the requirements for entrepreneurship. They're the enemies of corporate America. So... I think for people that have doubts, stop listening to the wrong people. Right. And how did you, you so did you sounds like you got lucky. You found the right person to tell uh, he was. I, I hunted him down. Took months. Who was he? And how did uh, you find him? He was a local business leader um, that I did not know. And every time I uh, uh, heard him speak or read about something in the media or whatever, it just, he made sense to me. And, and here's the, the, the really simple answer to that. In order to find a mentor... I was trying to be in the airline industry. You don't find someone who's in the industry. That's a mistake people make. Find somebody who you want to be like when you grow up. 
I wanted to be Roger awesome. someday. And still, a lot of people say, I'm in travel, I'm in film, I need to find someone in the media industry. You need to find a human being that you want to be like when you grow up and let them mentor you. I can teach you uh, skills, I can teach you software, I can teach you airlines, I in theory could teach you how to use this equipment, but I can't change your fundamental DNA of being a good person. So Roger was the guy I wanted to be when I grew up and I just kept trying and trying to one day he said he would meet with me. Awesome. So find somebody that you respect and want to be like and, and try to get them, try to pull That's some the mental out. relationship that's you want. That's why I'm here sitting with you I, today. You so. don't have to say that actually, but that's, <laughs> that's exactly why I'm here. Um, I'm curious about kids. And uh, so I struggle. I have three kids. They're and two are graduating from college. Yep. One just graduated from college. And I struggle with coaching them for uh, helping them find what to do next in their life and, and be self-sufficient adults. What, can you help me with that? What did, how did you coach your kids? I'm pretty sure we're out of time, but thanks for having me on your show. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, that's hard. It's yeah. harder in today's world. Um, but here, here is, here's what I think now. Um, um, that you're saying helping them find what their thing is. Uh, here's, yeah. here's the deal. You'll know it when you see it. And when people push it and try to force it, if they go out trying to find their thing and looking at it, they wind up talking themselves into something. Mm. The truth is, and it's, it's hard, but you'll know it when you see it. And that's the best advice you can give your kids. But what the real advice is, is try stuff. When, uh, when your kids think that failure is bad, failure, what's, you know what's way worse? Not trying anything right. because you've got some job you hate, but I'm not going to be a quitter right? There's something way worse than, quote, quitting. It's waking up seven years later and wishing you'd left six years ago because you hated the last seven years. So that old thing about being a quitter, it's what you should be as a trier, an experimenter. And so the message I speak to youth all over the world now is I say, go out and try things. And if you like it, right, if it lights your fire, keep going. And if it doesn't, you can at least cross it off the list. That's not what their parents tell them. Your parents tell you, pick a major so that at 22, when you graduate college, you've declared what you are for the rest. I am an accountant, <laughs> yeah. right? What if you hate accounting? And then people are going to say, well, don't quit. I tell them there's something different. I say, go out and try things that appeal to you. You will fail. You will stumble. But at some point, if you try enough things and you're engaged in the world, you're going to stumble into something. And you say, wow, this is totally what I was made to do my entire life. Awesome. Without being engaged, awesome. you'll never find that. Thank you. Um, what do you think about college? Is college a valuable thing to, for kids to do, when they, especially when they don't know what they're doing? So college is broken. I'm still a believer. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a believer yeah. for a lot of reasons. The educational model I don't like. The social model I like. Um, there's a lot that you learn about socializing, about dealing with people. You have a, the, one of the last opportunities in your life, maybe to play on sports teams, to join a book club, to do. There's lots of activities and things that ex do what we just talked about. They expose you to all these people and opportunities that you might not get. Once I used to go to my cubicle every day. Right. I never talked to anybody after that. Right. But in school, <laughs> there was all these opportunities to try things and meet people. So I like the social environment. I like the exposure to different beliefs and ideas and different kind of people. Mm -hmm. But the educational model itself is badly broken. Right. They don't really prep you. You don't get soft skills. They don't prep you for the yeah. world. They prep you to pass the LSAT or the MCATs or some test. Right. Uh, and, and, and get into the next level or just to get that first job because of how impressive you were on your grades or your tests. I don't like that part of it. Right. Cool. Thank you very much. My final question is, did you row port or starboard at Yale? Um, it's funny you say that because you were a way better oarsman than oh I ever God. was. Um, I rode on the heavyweight crew, but I was in the second boat. 
Um, and I rode port, port. Um, but I was always just a little bit behind. So, you know, you do seat races, right? <laughs> yeah. So we would do the seat races and I would always come just that close to moving up to the number one boat, oh, never right. quite made it. Rode in a lot of races, it had an absolute blast, uh, but I was a middle of the pack. Orsman, awesome. you were probably good, weren't you? I was okay, but I don't know. But you still row. I, I wasn't in the Ivy League. So. All right, but you still row. I still still row. Uh, that's that's pretty it. cool to have a, a, such a, a a passion and a hobby that uh, you're, I think, going to turn into a business one day. I hope so. Yeah, uh, and that that uh, gives you that level of fitness. I loved rowing. Me too. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sitting down sure. and talking to me. Thank you I for really having me. Appreciate it. You're amazing. Thank, thank you. you.